0: of his car, a nondescript battered blue Ford with a transplanted BMW engine that he maintained meticulously. While she waited for him to finish his grim task, she tilted her face up, eyes closed to the bright morning sunlight. The sight of her struck him powerfully, almost like another physical blow. She was small and slender boned, just five foot two, with bright aquamarine blue eyes, honey-colored skin, and thick, layered, tawny hair that curled crazily if left to its own devices. She was gorgeous, and almost a stranger. He had only known her for a few days in this life. They had been lovers for a single night, but they had been soulmates for millennia. As he approached, she opened her eyes to look at him. She looked as exhausted as he felt, Her lovely eyes circled with shadows, and her soft, full mouth bracketed with lines of pain. Her jeans were streaked with dirt, and she wore one of his flannel shirts. It was massive on her, and the tails came down almost to her knees. The deceiver had shot her in the shoulder. Michael had bound her arm in a sling. Then he helped her to roll up one sleeve past her slender wrist, while the other sleeve remained empty. When he reached her side, he tucked the weapons in his black canvas bag in the back seat. Then, he couldn't resist touching her. He leaned over to kiss her. She cupped the back of his head, stroking his short hair as she kissed him back. He took her free hand. Listen to me. We're both hurt, and Astra's strength is depleted. Astra, his old childhood mentor astra was also the leader of the original group of seven that had left their world six thousand years ago to pursue the deceiver when he had escaped their prison and fled to earth in order to follow him the group had needed to die as the deceiver had died in an arcane ritual filled with alchemy and power the ritual transmuted their souls As they died, they left their world and joined the Earth's natural cycle of death and rebirth, where they lived and died as humans did, over and over again. Astra had come to help Michael and Mary in astral form when they fought their latest battle with the Deceiver, but astral projection took a lot of power. Fighting in astral form took even more power, and they couldn't expect any more help from her anytime soon. Mary's hand squeezed his, her expression sharpening with concern. He realized he had fallen into a fugue. He told her, "'Thanks to the damage you did to him, the deceiver has to take time to recover, too. But we don't know how much reinforcement he has nearby, so we can't stop in one place again. I can drive for a while, but you need to concentrate on healing yourself. Nothing else matters. Heal yourself so you can take over the driving,' because soon I'm going to need your help. Do you understand? She nodded. Yes. Good. He lifted her hand to kiss her fingers, and she curled her fingers along the lean edge of his cheek as she studied him with a worried gaze. He opened the passenger door for her, and after she had slid in, he walked around the car and eased into the driver's seat. Just before he tried the ignition, they shared a quick, tense glance. They were deep in the forest, miles away from any kind of help, and they were both injured. If the deceiver had found any time to disable the engine, they would be in a shitload of trouble. She whispered, Come on, start. He turned the key, and the car purred to life. The engine sounded as smooth as it had the last time he had turned it on. Now we need to make tracks, he said. We've miles to go before we sleep. Miles to go before I sleep, she said, her voice slow and tired. That was a Robert Frost poem, right? Some poet wrote that anyway. He shook his head and wished he hadn't, because it made his head throb worse than before. His heart beat in heavy, hard slugs, and his mouth felt hot and dry, Whoever it was, I've got a bone to pick with him. At least we're alive and together, she pointed out. He shifted the car in gear and pulled onto the gravel drive. And at least we get another day or two, and maybe more.